You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. <laughs> if this is Moitzi Shabbos, it must be Rizcha Daraisa. I'm Aprom Kivalevich, and I'm here on Moitzi Shabbos with Rabbi Yosef Kavriel Bechofer. And we'd like to talk about something different than what the whole world is talking about. We'd like to make these uh, podcasts have a certain sense of nitzchias that people can listen to them years from now. However, we cannot escape what's been going on. So Rabbi Yosef and I were talking a little bit about a perhaps a different type of situation, meaning we don't know how we're going to get out of this. We don't know what's going to be the end here. But I think what is clear is that the amount of terrible deaths that have occurred here, where me and Rabbi Yosef are, the Northeast, New York, and New Jersey, is clearly a byproduct of the density of the population. The fact that the simchas that we have, the interactions that we have, lead to large interconnectedness, which causes this type of spread of the pandemic. And therefore, what we want to talk a little bit tonight is about aggressively pursuing soon the idea of encouraging people to move out of this aging, hulking metropolises that we have here in the Northeast and to move out into the heartland of the United States, to move out in places where people can live far removed from each other and still in a comfortable way, in ways that Judaism and, more importantly, life can thrive. We wouldn't see any numbers like this like we're seeing today. Yosef, I understand that you actually want to uh, switch chairs a little bit. So you'll right. be my, you can interview me, and you can give me the honorifics that I usually give you. Yes, well, <laughs> let's, 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 let's talk to Avona Tzadik. Avram Yitzchok. About out of town because, um, you know, um, uh, I grew up in West Hampstead, which I guess is kind of out of town, but Rabbi Avram grew up in the extreme boondocks of Memphis, Tennessee. And I just read an article this week about somebody who was nifter from Memphis, Tennessee, Rabbi Walmart. Maybe uh, you want to comment about him. I think it was called coronavirus, no? And uh, Again, I, I think... I, I will comment if you want me to, but I, I can't. I did know him very, very well, and I knew him in, in, in many, many ways. I knew him as a family yeah. friend, and he was my teacher as well. And uh, okay, Baruch Dianemis, Baruch, Baruch on Rav Benyamin's Petira. I'm not again with the age, the age that people are having. If you reach a certain age today, and you have to be hospitalized. We know that Corona is going to have some impact. Whether he's a carbon of Corona or not, I'm not sure. But um, he was definitely quite an interesting man, and um, he was a he loved Torah in a way that is unusual to be on display as a, in in a small town. Uh, in Memphis maybe not as unusual. Yes, I, I, Memphis Memphis is a very strange place because not, for several reasons. I mean, I once had, I had a friend that got married in Shul, Memphis which the father of the Chassan described me as the decor resembling or bordello. So that was, I think, maybe your show, aren't you, Spark? So the... Um, bordello? So I don't sure know how, how we, I don't know how many bordellos there. he was in. Um, but that show... But, but that, that show, that show, that show, that show, 
that that show actually looks more since you're the show actually looks more like a movie theater than it does a bordello. Okay. Uh, maybe, <laughs> but but uh, again, I haven't been in too many bordellos either, but I have seen movies about them, and they don't look like that show. Okay. The show so, actually the show actually was built in the late '60s and won an architectural award. Uh, it, 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 it's quite a monstrosity, but at the time, people saw it as cutting edge. And look, when you build, a, you know, millions of dollars into this show, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you can't just, uh, uh, you can't just pave it off, you know, so you make do. So, so you're right. You go down into the, in the main sanctuary, it looks like you're, you know, you want the usher to show you your seats. And when you open up the Arun, you get like a 3D view of, 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 of Kriyas Yamsuf and a big shin appears. You expect Charlton Heston to show up in a second. So, you know, so you're right. It is a pretty strange looking show. The base medrash, on the other hand, is this tiny little nook in the wall. Right? That's where you're supposed to be learning. It definitely was a show that was built with wrong priorities. But I don't think the show, uh, the Anches Fard, uh, is is necessarily reflective of what Memphis is. Uh, it, it's 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 a community. Uh, and just to answer, I, I want to before you answer. Also, I want to also hear add a couple of interesting things which you can respond to as well as you like. Uh, which which uh, I, obviously, man, I, when I went down to the house, I was shown the old Darren Hirsch, which was supposed to be the largest Orthodox maybe any school in America at the time. And uh, yet it was, um, you know, mostly as we know, Mahalei Shabbos. And yet it was an Orthodox shul. And you had an extremely high number of great Hamid for such a very small and out-of-the-way city. A very strange, I don't think, you know, and today, and I'll, before, I'll let you come in a minute, but I don't think today you can replicate that kind of out-of-town experience which you had in Memphis, which I'm sure was very strange and exotic besides everything else today. And that's why people probably would not move out of town. But I'll let you comment. Okay. So obviously the dynamic that was in effect that created the incredible situation in Memphis probably cannot be replicated. But I, but I will respond to that. We all know that, again, before the advent of the days of uh, Koyolim and Rashi Koyol all over the place and other things, what was the Talmud Chochem to do? You have somewhat of the stature, really the Goinic stature, I would say, of Rav Nota Greenblatt, who goes down to Memphis in 1951 as a chazan, right? Which was, in, in, in most people's mind, the most bizarre thing a Ben Torah could do is become a chazan. Chazan meant you had no seichel uh, at all and you had no chachma. And here in 1951, who comes to be the chazan? The biggest chachm of the century in Memphis, Rav Nota Greenblatt. And that just goes to show you how strange things are, okay? Um, when, when, when he calls his nephew, Rabbi Froyim, uh, who's uh, for some reason, we know why he's more famous, because of the river of Froyim. He calls his nephew in. His nephew uh, is, is forced to be in America because, uh, because uh, he had to get married in order to have, as Rav Moshe gave him the Eitzah, uh, an American wife to allow him U.S. citizenship, that would allow him uh, openness, to getting medical treatment. So he comes down to Memphis, not as the Rav, he comes down to Memphis as a Shoichet. Okay? So he comes down as a Shoichet. So you have Rav Notas the Chazan, his nephew of Ephraim, the author of the voluminous uh, Ephraim, people consider him a great Pesach as well. I'll talk about that at a different time, but I, I really, right? And so now you have already two incredibly Talmudic that are there doing shlak jobs as in town. Right? Um, similarly, 
you know, uh, when the day school begins, the day school hires people. Now, again, you have people today that would become Roshay Kailo, they become Klikaitish in, in a real Kabbadika way. You couldn't get jobs. So you, we, 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 they had Tells, Talmidim, and others. And all of a sudden, Memphis, which is, you know, 10,000 Jews strong, all of a sudden has this nucleus of, of Torah and Chachma, uh, a, a yeshiva. And at one time, the largest percentage of Orthodox Jews compared to the, uh, the rest of the community was only second to Baltimore in terms of Orthodoxy. So I grew really? up, uh, yes, I grew up in the anomaly of living in a, in a sleepy southern town, you know, where there was an incredible amount of 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 Talmud Chachamim that were there, and and models of what that meant, and therefore the Memphis students, the people of my age, it was a natural thing for them to go to yeshiva and become incredible uh, to do have incredible success. I'll, I'll name one of the greatest, Rav Nochem Lansky, who of course you are familiar with as well as Ogasunzain really possibly the most harsh of a person in Arius Row, uh, again, and that includes from Tzvi Berkowitz and everybody else, and Rav Feldman, in terms of being a Makubal and a Tzaddik and things like that. And he's a Memphis product. Mm-hmm. So again, so what happens mm-hmm. in Memphis is, is, a, well, is unusual and won't be replicated. However, Well, I want to answer, and also the, the Rabbani themselves are mostly Amorites, right? Rabbanim themselves of the shuls, including the Baronish. And again, you want to know about the Baronish. Again, there, there was, uh, this is Nathan Glatzer and others, sociologists. So I heard one story. I maybe heard it from you that Rabbi Soloveitchik once asked uh, Rev, Rev Norton when he came to visit him whether he's the Rav of the Baron Hirsch already. Did <laughs> I, I, I hear that from you? No? Um, you? You might have, but definitely Rav Soloveitchik and Rav Moshe. Who both knew Rav Mato well. Rav Mato was part of Rav Salvechik's Kailo in Boston, yeah. uh, and he was very uh, nichbad. He was a very uh, close Talmud uh, of, of all the Brisker Hever. He was from Brisk, that's where his family is from. And yeah. um, Rav Moshe, of course, and again, I, I could spend the whole time speaking about Rav Mato's connection to Rav Moshe, but the point is, is that if they had no idea what was happening, and they realized that you had Rabbonim who were being Masadre Gitin who were the biggest Amaratsim in the world. And they couldn't believe that here's Rav Nota, and let's put it, throw in Rav Afroyim as well, who were sort of like only these very minor players. Now, Rav Nota became a large player through his own pushing for the school and for eventually, as, 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 as Shakespeare said, truth will out, Torah will out. Eventually, people realized that Rav Nota was obviously, and again, it, it, again, there is a, a somewhat of a, a difficult history there, which I don't want to go into. When the yeshiva began, where Rav Nota's grandeur was being attacked, uh, like any small town, that's why Memphis sort of has the types of attacks and scandals that you would expect in, in a large city. You know, a Memphis boy uh, comes in jaundiced uh, as opposed to some kid from Birmingham who comes in, right? And you know... <laughs> well, you know me, and you know a number of Memphis people, and you know that we, we aren't your typical out-of-town kids. Uh, we sort of come exactly. pre- preternaturally precocious and, and, and too wise to the world for our own good. And that's, that, that's sort of why, like... Yeah, so why is that? Um, I what, do not, what, what, what went wrong? Oh, right, depending on your perspective. I think probably what 
maybe, you know, I haven't thought about it in a large way, but I think part of it was when you do have a small community and it's intense in that way, um, then what happens is it doesn't dissipate. The, the, the sense of, of, of Ravnota's presence really uh, sort of like hovered over every one of us. And we all sort of became, in a way, sort of, you know, miniatures uh, of Ravnota's aspect, uh, which was sharp to the point um, and uh, almost biting and critical, which was sort of like that was the only brand that we knew. And that was the brand that allowed such a charismatic person to sort of like permeate within us. I think that's, and I see this in many of Ravnota's people who love him and his Talmidim. They all, even when I give a shir to Balabatim, uh, I I hear Ravnota's voice in my head. Um, sometimes, you know, I hear his biting humor and his cutting remarks, and they definitely vivify. And that happens when you have a small, intense uh, unit, as opposed to let's say we there'd be twenty shuls uh, with twenty rabbanim. Uh, you probably would not have that same sort of effect. I don't know if that's a. I, I hope that answers your question, because you know, you know, you know not only me. I don't, so want, to men- I just, I, I don't want to mention their names, but you know a number of Memphis people, and we all seem to have a little bit. Uh, it's it's unnatural the amount of, uh, of I wouldn't call it, but an unusual. You wouldn't call us simple to me, Mystica Jews. Definitely not. For no way, shape, or form. I could ever imagine calling you to me, Mystica. But, um, and uh, so getting back to this Rabbi Walmart, he was a mechanic, he was uh... Okay, so, uh, w- look, we all know, we, I, I'm, I'm very close with his son, Rav Mordechai, he should have a Nechom, and I have to give him a call, Nebuch. He's he's been saved a lot of tzaras. The fact, uh, I'll just put it this way, the fact that uh, Mordechai Walmart, Rav Mordechai, through all his tzaras, has remained such an incredible masmid and Torah power in terms of the writing that he does, in terms of the chidushe Torah. I don't always agree with what's in there, but it's a very, he has solid svarim that he's written, is a testament to the dogma that he saw from his father, Rabbi Yamin. Rabbi Yamin, the best parts of Rabbi Yamin are on display in Rav Mordechai. And let me, let me leave it at that. I think that's that itself, you know, hey, name Zechroinon. If Rav Benyamin, with all his, 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 his history and his learning, if his purpose of coming into the world was to produce a Talmud Chochem like Rav Mordechai, that would have been Kedai. I think that's a, 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 a sufficient... Was he, was he a teacher? What, what, was he a teacher of yours, Rabbi Walmart? Okay, he so was? here's, let's, let's bring this back to what I wanted to talk about. Um, yeah. In the old days, when I was growing up in the 60s, you took what you could in terms of teachers. And therefore, if you had somebody, oh, well, he went to yeshiva, he could be a teacher. Why not? Throw him in front of a class and let him teach. Um, and, and there are many people, who, by the way, uh, as we know, there was a purge of those type of teachers. <laughs> I might have been one of those type of teachers, too, as well. But there was, and maybe you, too. But, we, but there's been, there was a purge of, all, of many of that generation. Where he's a tamachacham, he probably knows how to learn. Put him in front of a shear, and then I'm sure the the kids will will will, will, will benefit from it. So here's Benjamin Walmark in Memphis. Uh, whatever reason brought him, I'm not exactly sure why. Um, I, I heard Rav Hutner told him to go there, and some other things. There were some things, you know. Again, I'm not 100 percent sure what brought him down. There. I don't want to speak out of turn, but 
Reb Binyamin, okay, he's a Tamakha, he knows how to learn, he knows Torah, give him a job. Let him teach fourth or fifth grade. So, um, you know, but again, he didn't have any background in, in education, you know. Uh, so I, I saw that he loved to learn because, uh, you know, we would take out Svarim in, in, in the middle of, of Shir and uh, we knew that he liked it. Um, but he also, you know, you know, he also got amusement if it was just sitting around doing nothing. So what I would say is, yes, he was a teacher, but that wasn't his forte. I think what his forte was, was um, he, he was sharp. He brought a sense of Eretz Yisrael in Europe. Um, and uh, he appreciated sharp people. He appreciated, uh, I think he encouraged me in a lot of my shtick because uh, I did a lot of shtick, you know, that wasn't necessarily learning related. And he was always very amused so by great. it. What? Okay. <laughs> so great we're talking about. Uh, for the fifth grade, I think we used to we used to play a version of the match game in the back of the room, uh, and you know, and he liked it. You know, he w- he would sit there in the front, and I would I was I was like the organizer of of the match game, and we would like you know set up teams, and we would try to guess something that had to do something you know ostensibly with what the Gemara was about or the or the Mishnayos was about, and he was quite amused by it, and you know, and he always gave me encouragement in that way. So I'm going to be Makar Tov to Rav for encouraging a creative streak in me. But again, just like many of the other teachers, including Rebbe Fryan, they weren't suited to become teachers. What I would say, and again, just to get us back to the topic, although, you know, you're trying to squeeze all these uh, vignettes out of me and out of my kishka. Oh, vignettes. Yeah. Well, yeah, nothing's wrong with them. I just don't know if anybody's interested in listening to them except you. But well, I'm I would, fascinated by them. It would it, be, I think. Yes. Well, okay, next time we'll talk about West Ham said. But what, what, what I think... This is boring. I was about to make that point to you, which is, you think about small town days, nowadays, which both of us know, maybe like a place like South Bend, Indiana. Yes. There's nothing there compared to what well, you had growing up. Okay, it's but... Varnished. Okay, good. But here's what they will have. They will not have... If, and again, I, I think there's two caveats here. There needs to be not just the OU that was pushing to move to South Bend and pushing to those places. There needs to be the G'dayle Yisrael and Nebuchadnezzar lost, of course, uh, Rav Perwell, uh, the Minsker and others. Uh, the G'dayle Yisrael uh, uh, of this standing now need to push for the 20-year-olds, the 25-year-olds, and they need to get the people who have the money to help create these uh, small areas where people can live beyond here to live in homes where, yeah, it's not unusual for the next Jew to be a quarter of a mile down the road or a half a mile down the road. And we will not have a situation. My, my good friend John Kroll, who I, I spoke with on Arab Shabbos, told me that if you think about Garboz, the person who was like uh, ground zero of COVID among the Jews, in three days, the first day, he was in the shul in, in, in New Rochelle of 800. The second day, he was at a... Uh, uh, at a Levaya, which had a three or four hundred. And that afternoon, he was at a bat mitzvah. So one person, and, and that just shows you those type of numbers are untenable. That can never happen in Memphis. It can never happen in South Bend. And I'm going to say in the future, it won't happen in Naperville. It won't happen in Des Moines. And we could, and, and, and I know the Chabad tried something in, what was it, Pottsville, Iowa? You know the city I'm talking about. Was it Postville? Okay. Postville. Postville. Okay. Not a, a, a one chicken town like Postville, where it's all about you know you know the, the chicken factory there or whatever it was that Rabashkin was doing there. 
what I'm talking about is a complete city, and which already has enough of an issue. It can be Greenville, North Carolina. Jews should be moving there just like they did in Europe, just like we had outposts in Europe. Brought you only can't a experience. I don't buy it. You had experience where you actually were set up to be. Uh, you were. Uh, you, uh, you had a Yiddish sprach, uh, 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 which people like me in West Hampton didn't have. You had a, 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 a. You brushed, as you said, you brushed uh, uh, elbows with Tamir Chachamim of the greatest stature. But what you're going to do is consign people to places which are boondocks in all ways. No, we're not going to consign them. We're not talking about uh, like like the Japanese internment camps. What we're talking about is no. We're talking about is with Chachma figure out send. You know, Rafmul Kamenetsky had this movement. Let's find Rabbonim and Paiskim. Okay, so what are they going to do? They're going to sit in Lakewood and answer calls and become the next rabbis in in the big megapolis. Let's get some of these people that all the money's already put into and have them become the leaders in Naperville. Let them become the neighbors, uh, Naperville, Illinois, by the way, Des Moines. Even small t- uh, 70,000 people, 70,000, just wait a second. And it, it, it might take five to 10 years, but when the next COVID comes and the next things, Jews will be protected. And we won't have Elena, the thing that you have here, where the, the show itself, and, and there's going to be limits about how big it can become. There could even be yeah, Gedarim. Okay. There could be Gedarim about how large the community should be, and there should be options. Instead of everybody, dis, we, we need to dismantle. I don't, again, I don't know if anyone's going to heed this call, but Kimilevich from Memphis is saying that there should be a dismantling of this megapolis that stretches from Boston to Washington. And Jews should be encouraged. It's going to ruin the voting block. It's going to ruin the idea of Orthodox Jews being able to put this guy in office. We're not going to be able to run the, the school boards and things like that. I think that's going to be for our benefit. We do have communities. I, again, we, we stay stay away from the stay away from the right wing militants in, in Montana. Uh, stay away from the places. Use the wisdom of sociologists and create enclaves out there. Now, tell me why, Rabbi Yosef Gavriel Belchaf, why, since I'm just giving it back to you, why do you think that's a bad idea? It's not a bad idea. It's never going to happen. You're living in La La Land. That, you know, uh, that's why Chobu I don't want to die in La La Land. I don't want to be... That's why Chobu is winning the battle in the Oriha Sadeh, because... Why you, Lakewood, these places, they're not sending any, anybody out to these places anymore. People would rather go into business than become clay Kodesh in Memphis, like they did 50 years ago. Today, we're not going to agree, you wouldn't be a Chaz in Memphis. You'd become a real estate broker in, in Borough Park. Come on, let's, or whatever, you know, five towns, actually. Let's be real. Nobody's going out of town anymore. There's no idealism. Nobody, you can't say, how good is, can't send a message from the top down. Oh, I, Let's turn on the idealism. We're going to send the people out. And it's going to be like we're yes. going to have the again in South Bend. Who will be fooled? There are business opportunities there, which probably swamp the business opportunities in the Northeast where everything well, is. Well, you're not going to get the clay clay dish. It's not going to happen. The, of course, the clay clay dish will go because <laughs> the, the, co- the cost of living is less. The, the quality of life is better. Anywhere. Otherwise, Lake will, not, Lake will not be what it is today. Come. Because nobody wants to go with business as our uh, opportunities lie. They want to stay where they are. Which, as we can see, the opportunities, the, the, the COVID virus, 
right. uh, the COVID virus cashed in on those opportunities and it spread did. like it did. And, and, and right, and, and the refrigerated cars in New York are a gloom, a gloomy testimony to its success. Yes. So yes. I'm saying, I, I'm not just, I'm not just well, this, this will this change way. things. This will be able. No. Will, this can change things because the images and the terror. The same way it, did, it made an incredible change and brought everybody in home when nobody thought people would stay. Look, America, let me just put it, a, a, a sentence. We have gotten used to America to do what we want and, and, and we, we feel we have ultimate freedom. That obviously is, is, is being altered as we speak. Other societies like Korea and other places, they're more used to stepping in line to whatever the government tells them to do. I think, right. I, I think that in Europe, and those communities that have to run away from pogroms, they, they listened more to the, what was being told to them by their directors. We're, in America, we're used to having immense freedom in Judaism and doing whatever we want and living wherever we want and creating a Lakewood and a Muncie uh, crowded in certain areas. Let us now have the Gedolim command us like the South Korean generals, to move out and create and use the money of the Balabatim to create these outposts. And they won't be outposts anymore. They'll be incredible places that are gishmak. And it'll actually, it won't be one flavor. And, and, and I, I think it'll lead to great achdus and Claudius as well, even though it's going to spread out. Okay. Well, well that's it. We've a lot more to talk about about this. Okay. So... Uh, we definitely went far afield, which was which was what I wanted to do, uh, far afield beyond the Hudson and beyond uh, the Outer Bridge Crossing, and to go out into the great hinterland of America and Canada as well. And hopefully, uh, but we'll be back hopefully next week. So I'm Avram Yitzchak Kivalevich, in case you didn't know, and I was here with my good friend. <laughs> my good friend, uh, the author, uh, soon to be published once again, uh, yes. Ayrvin in Modern yes. Metropolitan Areas. It's it's the ultimate handbook to help you through Dafyomi Ayrvin. No, <laughs> but it definitely will help and enhance your Dafyomi and your learning. We should all be able to uh, be netted from your Torah very soon. I'm still waiting for what you promised us, your your uh, essay on the Spanish flu. Is that going to be up? Is that uploaded somewhere? Oh, I, I gave a share on it. Okay. It is, it's on YouTube. I'll, uh, we'll refer, I'll reference it next time. Okay, so if you send it to me, I'll put it in today's uh, okay. program notes. So that's it for this Mitzvah Shabbos. We'll try to be with you next Arab Shabbos again with another Rizcha D'Araisa. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 